We're in the middle of a sermon series entitled Prayer, Care, Share. And uh, last week I challenged you to begin praying daily for three people. Uh, Specifically people that uh, don't know Christ, people that are not involved in a local church, or maybe people that have just recently moved to the area. And so I hope you were able to think of at least one, if not two or three, of those types of folks. Uh, I know I've been praying for uh, the the folks that came to my mind all this week, and they're praying that God will work in their lives. And I've also uh, sent them a text message asking them, you know, how can I be praying for you this week? It took them a few days to get back to me, but they did send me a prayer request. So you just got to, you know, be patient. But I encourage you to keep reaching out. I want you to keep praying for those people that you wrote down on your your insert last week. Keep praying for them. But in addition to that, I want to add something to the foundation of prayer this week. We've begun praying, and now I want to add caring to prayer. And so, uh, to care for someone is to to seek the welfare of someone. It's to to help someone out. It's it's an action. It's it's seeking to meet someone's needs. And it takes effort. You know, it doesn't just happen, right? It takes some effort. It's tangible. And, you know, as, as Christians, as those who follow Christ... I mean, caring for people is in our DNA. I mean, it's just who we are. Uh, at least it should be. And uh, <clears throat> meeting the needs of people, if you read throughout the Scripture, you notice uh, <clears throat> meeting the needs of people was evident in Jesus' ministry. Also in the ministry of the apostles, the early disciples, uh, and also the early church. And it's a, it's a baton that has been passed to us as well as Christ's followers. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to take you on a journey through Scripture and through history, and show you this pattern of caring for others that was evident in these early Christians and should be evident in our lives as well. So first I want to show you uh, the ministry of Jesus. I want to look at His ministry. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. It's just one verse, but I feel like this one verse sums up well the ministry of Jesus. And we could have uh, gone through a number of instances where Jesus lived out this type of ministry that is explained in Matthew 4.23. But this is what he writes in Matthew 4.23. He's speaking about Jesus and and he says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And that's a great summary statement of what Jesus did. He was going throughout all these different towns and villages... And his ministry was really characterized by really two parts. One, he was healing people. So in in one sense, he was meeting some physical needs of people. And at the same time, he was proclaiming the kingdom of God. And he was showing how those things go hand in hand. How God, ultimately in the kingdom of God, all things will be good. Uh, You will be healed. There will be no sickness or disease or death in the kingdom of God when Jesus Christ returns and makes all things new. And so he gives them a little foretaste of that as he meets their physical needs and then explains to them the kingdom of God. And so you see this in Jesus' ministry. I mean, he fed thousands. Uh, He uh, caused those who were paralyzed to walk again. He cured leprosy. He gave sight to the blind. And he even raised the dead. And so we see the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God went hand in hand with uh, the meeting of physical needs. 
And so we see that in the ministry of Jesus. But we also see this in the ministry of those that Jesus sent out. If you look in your Bibles at Luke chapter 10, while you're flipping there, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends out the twelve. To begin to do ministry. to He's empowering them to kind of go out as his uh, ambassadors to do ministry. And then he brings them back in. And then he sends out the 72. 72 of his followers he sends out into surrounding towns and villages. And I want you to notice what he told them to do as they entered the towns. Luke chapter 10 verses 1 through 9. Luke records, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, and uh, Clay quoted this verse earlier, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Verse 3, go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now notice what he does here. First he tells them to go. That's actually a command in this passage. You need to go. And so just like for us, you know, if we're going to minister to people, help people come to know Christ, we have to go where the people are. And that's what I love about you know, Ministry of Young Life. That's what they're doing. I mean, they're going. They're not waiting for people to come into the church building. But they're going to where the people are. And that's what we all need to be doing. We need to go where the people are. And second, he tells them as they enter someone's house, they should say, Peace be to this house. In other words, I am, come, I am coming into this house. I want to be a blessing to you. I want to bless this house. I want to bless you. I want to bless those who I come in contact with. And he's saying, I want to send you out to be a blessing to those you come in contact with. Third, he tells them to remain in the same house, eating and drinking, and to not go from house to house and bounce around. In other words, he wants them to spend time in the house that will host them and get to know those who will host them in their home. Fourth, he tells them to heal the sick. He tells them to care for people in tangible ways that will point them to the kingdom of God. And then fifthly, he tells them to say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And so you see just in this brief passage of Jesus sending out the 72, you see both this idea of caring for people and sharing the gospel with people, how they go hand in hand. So we see it in the ministry of Jesus. We see it in the those that Jesus sent out. And we also see it in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And I'm going to actually quote again the verse that uh, Clay mentions because it's a great verse to sum up the ministry of the Apostle Paul, which he obviously inherited from Christ himself. Um, and there's many verses you can look to, but the one that Clay mentioned earlier is very fitting. It's 1 Thessalonians 2.8. And this is what Paul writes. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Because you had become very dear to us. 
And so Paul's saying, you know, I, of course he's sharing the gospel. And we're going to talk about next, that next week. How do we share the gospel? How, how do we help people come to know Christ? Uh, but he also says, not only did I do that, but I'm also just sharing myself. You know, I'm giving of myself to you for your benefit. I'm serving you. I'm caring for you. I'm loving you. And so we see this in the ministry of Jesus. We see it in those that Jesus sent out, the 12, the 72. And then we also see it in Paul and the apostles. And then we also see it in the early church. Uh, there's a, a guy named Rodney Stark. He wrote a book entitled The Rise of Christianity. And what he was trying to figure out is, how did Christianity spread so rapidly throughout the Roman Empire in those first few centuries? I mean, what caused the spread so much that it went from being a persecuted sect? They, you know, the, the Romans saw it as this a sect of Judaism and persecuted Christianity heavily to it actually became the official religion of the Roman Empire. I mean, how did that happen in just a few centuries? And so Rodney Stark wrote this book, The Rise of Christianity. And one of the things that he discovered was one of the reasons it spread so rapidly through the, through the, uh, the empire of Rome is because of how Christians loved people, how they cared for people. For example, Roman, uh, Rome was, was struck by two major health epidemics between 165 A.D. and 266 A.D. Just to give you an idea how severe these, these were, uh, during the second great health epidemic between 251 A.D. and 266 A.D., it is estimated that up to 5,000 people per day were dying in the city of Rome. 5,000 per day in the city. And Dionysius uh, was a Christian. He wrote a letter, an Easter letter, around 260 A.D. And in this letter, he talks about how a substantial number of his presbyters and deacons and laymen lost their lives while caring for others. I just want you to read, I want to read some of his letter. This is what he says. Most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life serenely happy. Many, in nursing and curing others, transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. The best of our brothers lost their lives in this manner. A number of presbyters, deacons, and laymen winning high commendations so that death in this form, the result of great piety and strong faith, seems in every way the equal of martyrdom. And so you look at this early church and you think, what motivated them to, to care in such risky ways even uh, for those that were both part of the church as well as we have documented cases of uh, of these Christians caring for strangers. Because what would happen is you would, you would uh, have someone in your family, like if you weren't a Christian, maybe someone in your family would catch this disease and they would put you out. They would just put you out in the street, kick you out of the house so no one else would get affected and just leave you out there by yourself. What the Christians would do though is they would take you in and they would care for you, even if you weren't a Christian. And this just blew their minds. And even so, many Christians, like it says in his letter, Many Christians died as a result 
of becoming infected with the very thing that they were treating in the other. So what motivated them to care? What, what motivated them to even risk their lives for the good of others? And I think the only reason you can find that would motivate someone to do that, and I think this is what Rodney Stark uh, discovered as well, is that it was the love of God that they experienced in Christ that compelled them to love others with that same type of love. Just like Christ gave himself for our good, as they began to understand more and more the gospel in their own lives, they began to be compelled to show that same type of selfless love to others. You know, the, more the more they realize that you know, God sent His only Son to live a life that I could not live and to die a death that I should have died and be raised to new life and offer me this new life with God, the more I understand that God did that for me and that I can experience that through faith in Christ, the more it motivated them to love and care for people just like Christ did, just like those early followers did, just like the Apostle Paul did. And now we see the same in the early church. We see them continuing the legacy of Jesus. So as you can see, you know, caring for others, it's in our DNA. It's just who we are. It just, it's, what, it's what flows out of an understanding of the gospel. God has called us to be a caring people. And this is why the mission statement of our church says, you know, our mission is to love God, love others. It doesn't say love God and love Christians, even though that's included in that, but love others, love people, whether they're Christians or not. And if they want to know Christ and become Christians, then we make disciples of Jesus. We, we help grow them in their faith. But we love everybody, whether they're Christians or not. Because that's the legacy of Christ. That's the legacy of the early church. And we have received that same mission. So we are called to care. And so last week I challenged you to, to pray and just ask God to give you three people. Put three people on your mind that you can begin to pray for. These could be people that maybe don't know Christ. Or they're not involved in a local church. Or maybe they've just moved to the area. And I asked you to pray for them. That they would come to Christ. That they would maybe join you in worship here at the hill. Or maybe you can pray for their prayer requests that they have given you. And that's what I've been doing this week. When they gave me their prayer requests, I began to pray for those requests each day. And I also ask you to pray that God will give you an opportunity to minister to them in some way. Well, here's your opportunity this week. Hence the uh, sermon title, Care. Right? We're going to actually try to put this into practice. So in addition to praying for these people that you know, that you've been praying for. Now I want you to think about how can I care for them? How can I show them in a tangible way how much God loves them? Is there something I can do for them just to give them a taste of how much God loves them? And so just to help you to think through some practical ways that you can do this, I've included an insert in your bulletin with just several, I think 20 different Ideas, And you may can come up with others. But I just wanted to give you some rails to run on. Uh, so you can't come back to me later and say, Ron, I just couldn't think of anything to do. I say, well, here's 20. Here's 20 things. Pick one. Just one. I'm sure there's one you can do. And so notice the first suggestion that is on this list. First suggestion is, is there a way that you can be an answer to their prayer request? Uh, so maybe there, there are some people you've been praying for. 
And maybe they didn't give you a prayer request, so therefore you need to move on down the list. But for some of you, maybe they share with you a prayer request. And maybe there's a way that God has equipped you and given you the ability, even this week, to be an answer to that prayer request. Um, So if they gave you something specific and you think you can help meet that need, then I want to encourage you to do it. Because I remember a story Josh McDowell once told. Uh, Josh McDowell was telling a story about a prayer gathering. He was, gonna, he was grouping up with a group of people to pray. And they were sharing their you know, prayer requests. Just like we do on Wednesday nights. We, we pray for each other. We pray for our city. Uh, we pray for what's going on. We share those requests. We pray for them right there. So we'd love to have you come on Wednesday nights and, and pray with us. But that's what Josh McDowell was doing with some friends. They were gathering up to pray. And uh, one of the people, you know, was sharing a prayer request. And they were just saying how, you know, something happened to their car. Their car broke down or they no longer had a car and they just needed a transportation. They didn't have a car anymore. They needed some transportation. And so they said, okay, well, let's pray about that. And so they circled up and began to pray. And Josh McDowell was just thinking to himself as they began, as people were praying, he was thinking about, you know, I have this car uh, that I don't use anymore. And so he just interrupts the prayer time and says, we don't need to pray about this anymore. I have a car you can have. So he's like, let's just stop praying. You know, I, I, you can have this car. This is the answer to your prayer right here. You know, God has equipped him at that moment to, and he was able to meet that need. There was no need to pray for it anymore. And so obviously that's an extreme example. You may be thinking, wow, should I give my car away? I'm not, you know, who knows? Just follow the Lord's lead on that. But I'm just saying... Maybe there's just something that that people have mentioned to you. Can you pray for this for me? And maybe there's a way you can help meet that need. Just be sensitive to that. Uh, But if not, look for another way for you to tangibly uh, be a blessing to them. So first, prayerfully consider how God may have you meet a need. But then second, look down this list. Uh, Like, for example, the, the, the folks I'm praying for, they gave me a prayer request that I really... I mean, it's not, a, it's not something I can actually, there's nothing I can do about it. You know, it's just I can just pray and lift it up to the Lord. So I'm going to have to think of something else to do uh, for this, this, these folks. And uh, that's why you have this list here. So just look at a few of them. Uh, number four there, watch your neighbor's children or your friend's children and give the parents a chance for some alone time. Or down in number eight, you know, spend the Saturday morning helping someone do things they need you to do. Maybe they're building something or they're doing something in their yard or some yard work you could help them with. Uh, or number 17, take them out to dinner or buy them lunch. Maybe a co-worker, you could buy them lunch or buy them a cup of coffee or something like that. Or, or send them just an encouraging note in the mail or email or to something through social media. You know, I saw a story about this young lady. I, I can't remember which country it was in. It was somewhere in Europe. But there was a bridge that people would often jump off of to try to commit suicide. And, and she says that she had been on that bridge several times before as well and contemplated ending her life. And so she decided to do something about it. And what she would do is she would write these little cards, these little notes that said, you know, you're valuable. You know, uh, life's going to get better. And she would laminate them and attach them to the bridge. And so as people would come up, they'd read these notes. And, you know, this started getting on social media and people started posting how these notes uh, just gave them new perspective. And they decided to uh, step off the bridge and not in their life. And I thought, you know, wow, what the power of an encouraging note, even from a stranger, 
So just imagine if that encouraging note's coming from someone that knows them. And so maybe that's what you can do this week is just write a note, send a card, send an email, post something on social. Just is there some tangible way that you can just show them, just give them a taste of how much God loves them? Uh, or give a book to someone that you think might enjoy. You know, there's so many different things. Just think through how can I uh, care for someone this week? How can I meet a need? So as we add caring to our praying, we want to do something this week uh, to give them a glimpse of God's love for them. I want to end with this uh, story of a a woman named, and maybe you've heard of this woman before. They actually made a movie based on her life, but her name is Gladys Elward. Maybe you've heard of this lady? She lived from 1902 to 1970. Uh, She was a mailman's daughter born in London. She came to Christ when she was 18 years old. So she would have been a good you know, candidate for Young Life. Maybe came to Christ through a ministry like Young Life or something like that. Or through the church. But uh, while she was employed there uh, as a parlor maid, she set her heart on China. So she came to Christ and she really caught a vision for China. Reaching out to China with the gospel. And so she ended up going to China. Uh, she would travel to Yangchen to serve as a missionary. And... Uh, she did some very interesting things. You can read more about her online. But the way she shared Christ's love in Yang Chen was by not only obviously sharing the gospel verbally, which is what we need to do if people are going to come to Christ. But in addition to that, she, she really, her platform was her love, her care for other people. Just really like a place that earned her the right to share with the people about Jesus. And so... Um, she helped bring about, for example, the, the unbinding of the feet of many women in her area. She helped care for over 200 orphans. Uh, she was used by God to end a deadly prison riot. I mean, pretty amazing. And she managed this inn that uh, witnessed to people that were coming through, these caravans that would come through. And then he, she would tell them stories each night about Jesus. And they began to call Gladys... Uh, Iowa Day, which means virtuous one. That's her nickname. And so before she finished her ministry in Yang Chen, one of the officials in the government approached her and said this to her. He said, ever since you came to Yang Chen, I've kept an eye in your mission. I watched you care for my people. And then he says, would your God accept this lonely heart? For I have seen him so clearly in you, your actions and behavior. May your God be my God, and may you watch over us. And what, what a powerful story. You know, by, by living this life of faith, Gladys Elward shared the gospel in a way that even a local authority figure came to know Christ. And you just can you imagine, you know, someone saying to you, you know, ever since you came to work for this company, or ever since you moved into this neighborhood, Or ever since you started attending this school, I've watched you. And I've watched how you care for those around you. You Would your God accept me? For I have seen him so clearly in you. May your God be my God and may he watch over us. What a powerful testimony that would be. But the reality is people are watching, aren't they? They are watching you. And we have a great opportunity just to give them a taste 
of how much God loves them in Christ. And so I pray that even this week as we add just these simple acts of caring for others to our praying, that God will draw more and more people to Himself. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for Your love for us. You know, the Scripture tells us that uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That you, even though we, we didn't love you, you loved us and you sent your Son um, at, to demonstrate that love. To care for us in such a way that we can actually become your children. We can have our sin forgiven. We can have new life. We can have eternal life in Christ. Lord, we are so grateful for that. Lord, help us to... Uh, Just reflect on the gospel, understand the gospel more and more. And may it compel us uh, to not only pray for those around us, but seek to be an answer to prayer, as well as just care, just bless those around us. Lord, I pray even this week, uh, through our simple efforts, God, would you just demonstrate your love to people through us, that more and more people will come to know Christ More people would gather in this place or some other church in our community to worship you um, and just learn more about what it means to know you and walk with you for a lifetime. Lord, we are so grateful that we have the privilege of of serving you, to being involved with you and how you change lives. And God, I pray that you would give us ideas, even this week, on how to best do that. And we trust you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.